0: Uh, But we are going to jump around just a little bit. I am going to read some stuff, some notes that I've got here that I thought was pretty interesting. Um, And if you want to turn, well, you don't have to turn here. But what I was going to say earlier was it was neat, and I always like it when whoever opens up, has something to do with what's uh, been in the Sunday School, and I love it when all that goes along with the message, and I hope it does today, but it may not, and if it don't, it'll tie in one way or another. Um, But today I wanted to talk about what the uh, fancy people call the hypostatic union. And all that is is the belief and us knowing that Jesus was completely God and completely man all at the same time. Uh, you don't have to turn there because I'm, there's nothing that I'm going to read there. But in Genesis 1, during the creation story, uh, it, it reads, God said, that is repeated ten different times. So there was ten different times during creation that God said, and once he said something, it happened. So if you will, now turn with me to St. John chapter 1. Jason. Will you go ask Cassidy to come in here and bring the baby? <laughs> Just might. <laughs> I love him. All right. In Genesis, I mean in John chapter one, we'll read the first five verses. And it says, In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness compreh- comprehended it not. So, John here is telling us that Jesus was in the beginning with God, and Jesus was the one that made everything, and everything was made by him and for him, and that there was nothing that was made that wasn't made by him, and that life was in him. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> All right, we'll give him just a minute to get in here because there's. Uh, but Caleb, we're gonna get into uh, some more stuff here in John here in just a little bit, and Caleb opened up this morning on it there, and I, it's just awesome. And you just think about that—that uh, that God. That Jesus was in the beginning with God. He made everything. He made the universe. He spoke and it come into existence. And I, I've seen a, a little meme, I guess, here lately. Where it uh, has these two kids talking. And they say, you know, when you see a picture or a painting of Adam and Eve, they both have belly buttons. They said, think about that for a minute. And their point is that you shouldn't have a belly button if God created you. But just think about the universe. The scientists think that it's 10 billion some years old. And then think about Adam and Eve. He didn't create Adam and Eve as babies. He created them as full-grown humans. So he created history into whatever they had. Not necessarily history, but they, like, to, the, to us, looking back on it, it looks like that there was, that it's been here for such a long time. But in reality, it's only the time that, yeah, just bring her, I don't have to hold her, but just bring her up front. And I probably should have went to one of the Gospels and read about Jesus' birth, but we have just went through Christmas and we know all about that. But I've asked her to bring Noel up here because it worked out great that she's feeding her too at the same time. Jesus came to this earth just like this. Mary had a baby that was the Son of God, that was God in the flesh, that Mary and Joseph had to look after. They had to feed him. They had to bathe him. They had to clothe him. There was nothing that he could do on his own. He come just like this. And they had to take care of him. Thank you, you can go now. <laughs> Sorry, I drug you in here for that short time. Uh, they had to change his diaper. Right? Um, some things I thought about while while I was thinking about that, Mary, so, moms in here, uh, when you got one that size, when they get the sniffles or a sneeze or a fever, you freak out. I'm sure Mary did too. Even though she knew that it was the Son of God, it's still a baby that's hers. And then, uh, He's a boy, so I thought about Joseph as he's growing up. You know, Joseph takes him, he's a carpenter, so he takes him to a job site, and back then carpenters done a little bit of everything. They built, you know, tables for homes, and they built homes. You know, it wasn't like you had a craftsman that built a table, and then you had a a carpenter that built a house. they done it all. So I'm just thinking about, like, he's out on the job site helping Joseph with the house, project or or they went to town to sell or deliver an item that they've made and joseph turns around and jesus is standing over in the middle of the street peeing like little boys do you know (laughs) so he had he had to be taught even though he was still god at an early age now i feel like that as he got older he realized more and more of the the what his role was, and he got more of his divinity, I guess you could say, on him. So now, if you will, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Somebody help me keep up with the time, too. This is one of the times we're going to start in verse 41 this is one of the times where mary and joseph uh it shows about that worry and the concern and the panic and things that happen as parents and verse 41, 41 says now his parents went to jerusalem every year at the feast of the passover And when he was twelve years old, they went to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child was tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. And it came to pass, after that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, saw him they were amazed, and his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So that was what I was talking about. We got a lot of stuff right here. And uh, y'all know how I am. I I got on a kick with some History stuff, so we've got to go over that too. But um, so here we see that they went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. They usually went, uh, those that they felt like they should go, all the Jewish families did, some were not able. They usually went at least for the feast day, and if they could, if they were able to, they went for the complete week leading up to to that. So they think Mary and Joseph went the week of. So they go and they have the the Passover and they leave Jerusalem and they get a full day's journey outside of Jerusalem. Uh, What I read, it said that uh, Nazareth was about three days journey from Jerusalem so they got a third of the way home. When they would travel like that There was a bunch of them, so they would be like a bunch of people from Nazareth. Their family, friends uh, would travel together from one place to another. Uh, So then they leave Jerusalem as a group again, and you know how kids are. I mean, kids here don't sit with their parents usually, so you know if you're walking in a group like that, they're not going to hang out with you. So at the end of the day, after that first day's journey, Mary and Joseph go around trying to figure out who Jesus has been hanging out with all day and where he's at and tell him, you know, come on over to our tent, and they can't find him. So then they got to turn around and walk a day back to Jerusalem, and then they spend the whole next day looking for him, but on the third day, they find him in the temple sitting among the doctors. And that's the history part that uh, y'all are now going to have to suffer through. Um, So male children in this time, and it may be that way today, I don't know, but I just looked on this, this, about this time when Jesus was there, were not considered to be subject under the law, meaning the commandments and all the added laws that they had, until they were age of 13 years and one day old. So at that point, they were considered an adult and a member of the local synagogue. They become a member of the church on that day. So as a 13 and one day old male child, they would have been required at that point to go partake in the feast of the Passover. He wasn't required at 12. But most families uh, would start grooming the children for that, you know, to get them ready. They would start them, like male children would start going about 9 or 10 years old with the family to, uh, to the Passover. And I don't mean just going with them to the Passover, but they would actually, right, they would participate in the events Uh, So that they would know what was going on. Uh, So Jesus here is 12. And it says he was in, they found him. 46. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the doctors. Both hearing them and asking them questions. All right, so... He was in the midst of the doctors. The doctors were the Sanhedrin. They were the doctors of law, or the lawyers. Um, Each town had their own Sanhedrin court. There was a lesser Sanhedrin and a great Sanhedrin. The lesser uh, was an assembly of 23 elders or rabbis uh, that would, if you had... If me and Casey had a dispute, we would go to the Sanhedrin, and those 23 people would sit in a semicircle, and we would stand in front of them and plead our case to them, and then they would decide. All right? So there's only one uh, great Sanhedrin, and it was in Jerusalem, and it was made up of 71 elders or rabbis, and it was inside the temple where they met. And if you remember Robbie's teaching on the temple and the the uh, slides we put up, you know the temple had, like there's these, the holy and the holy of holies is in the middle and then on the outside there's rooms. Well it was one of those rooms, the one if you are like go into the temple to the holy place, not the most holy place but the holy place, into the, the room to your left, right there in the corner, would have been where the Sanhedrin met. They also sat in a semicircle. The high priest, or the president, not the high priest, sorry. Um, the president and the vice president of the court would sit kind of in the center. And then there was three rows of 23 rabbis that sit in a semicircle coming from them. I don't know how to explain that any better. Just kind of try to visualize it in your mind. Um, So then, so you got this semicircle of seats that they sit in. The president and the vice president is at the head. Then behind that is a row of seats where um, the disciples, not Jesus' disciples, but those, all those Sanhedrin are teachers, they're rabbis. So their students sit at those seats and the people that would be coming up to speak. So now if you came and was pleading your case before uh, the Sanhedrin and one of those younger disciples spoke up and said, hey, I know him. I got something I can say about this. Then they were asked, usually or sometimes, to come up and sit with the Sanhedrin. And once they got there, they didn't leave until the session was over. Uh, so that's where they think Jesus was at. He had started asking questions, and they called him up to sit. So he was in somewhere in that semicircle of the Sanhedrin. And let's see. So that's why it says he was in the midst of the doctors. They considered the, um, the Sanhedrin the doctors of the law. And if you pay attention in 47, and all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. Now you've got to think about the law that they're talking about is the first five books of Moses. They are, and not only that, it's all the stuff that they've added to, uh, like how far can you go on the Sabbath day and stuff like that. But, you know, some of that stuff they felt like was deep matters. And here this 12-year-old boy is talking to him about it and understanding it and making them think about it with his answers. And I think that uh, Luke points out here that he was just 12 years old to point out that he wasn't even to the point by their custom to be a member of the church, to be uh, participating in in the Passover and the feast and the things that's going on. But he had the knowledge already. And that's what I was saying earlier, is I think the older he got, the more... Godly knowledge he got until, you know, he was an adult and his ministry started. Uh, Turn with me right quick to John chapter 13. Go ahead. right yeah i I, i'm with you i i kind of feel like that he wandered over to the temple like you said being led by god but not really realizing it uh and he gets there and he hears them talking so he's like huh that's pretty interesting you know so he goes up and he sits down there among those disciples and then uh you know they say something and it really piques his interest i can just see him you know at 12 years old you know how 12 year old little boys are you know he bounces up and he blurts out something and and then somebody goes well, wow you know let's get him up here and and i but i think you're right i think it was helping to get him prepared for what he was going to do and god was revealing to him uh his ministry and the things that were going on because he tells his parents did you not know i'd be about my father's business and I meant to point it out while we were over there. Uh, that in the last verse there, I can't remember what the verse number was, but it, it said that uh, it, that Jesus was subject unto his parents from that time on. And I think that goes along with you know that 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 point when he was in the temple and he had stayed back. Uh, you know how teenagers are. They want to they go, but they're not really ready to go. I kind of feel like Jesus was at that point with his, his own fleshly life and his godly life. And he was like, you know, he wanted to go do the things of God, but he was subject unto his parents. He knew that he had to stay and be a child still until it was appointed the time that he go about his ministry. Right, yeah. Right, you <laughs> know, Right, yeah. amen that's right (laughs) yeah was there somebody else i thought somebody else started to speak too okay if not then where'd i tell you to go john 13 (laughs) okay in verses one through five now before the past the last oh my Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And the supper being ended, the devil having now put into his heart, into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing, this is the part that I wanted to emphasize, that the Father hath given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God. He riseth from supper, laid aside his garments, and took a towel and girded himself. After that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Now we went over this Friday night. So we talked about at the beginning... That Jesus was there in the beginning. God spoke the word. Jesus was the word. He created all things. The whole universe. And we talked about this Friday night in Bible study. Here is the creator of the universe has stopped what he's doing in the middle of the Passover meal to wash his disciples' feet. And if you read on, uh, verse 6 talks about when he gets to Peter. And if y'all have read any of the New Testament, you know how Peter is. You know, he's a little, he's a little feisty. Uh, and he gets on to Jesus about, you're not going to wash my feet. Uh, but to just think that the creator, the, the person that created everything is washing their feet. And you know that was a big deal back then. We talked about that Friday night too about how uh, you know, they wore sandals everywhere they went. And their feet got nasty from traveling. And usually when you went into a house, you would wash your feet first uh as you went in. The the master of the house would have that done if like we figured that this house that they're in was a wealthy person's house because it had an upper room that was furnished for their to be able to have their Passover meal in. Uh, But apparently, the master of the house was visiting other people. So he didn't, when they come in, he didn't have any servants or anybody to wash their feet. So at the point of, if you get to a place where you don't, there's no servants, then whoever's the lowest among you uh, is the person that does it. Um, And if you read the previous few verses the apostles or disciples had all just been arguing about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven so well, of course they were looking for an earthly kingdom not the kingdom of heaven but they were arguing about who was going to be the greatest so none of them thought they were the lowest everybody thought they was right next to jesus you know so none of them's going to do it and jesus uh it says if you study it out and you read it that while they're there in the upper room having the passover they're still some kind of chatter about who's going to be the greatest and who's going to have the position next to Jesus and this and that. So in the midst of all that, the creator of the universe gets up, takes off his outer garments, his robe or whatever he's wearing, down to his uh, underwear dress shirt thing that they wore, and wraps a towel around himself and starts washing their feet. And we were talking about how many in here has ever been part of a foot washing service? All right, that's quite a few of you. So when that when you took part in that or you were a part of that, did the mood in the room change when it started? Or wherever you were at? We done one outside one time, but but it just the mood changes, so I could just see. They're all in the upper room eating and, you know, chattering about who's going to be the greatest and all this other stuff. And Jesus gets to the first guy's feet and he starts washing them and he realizes what's going on and he just quits talking. And then all of a sudden everybody's done talking, you know. And the whole mood of the room changes. And that's the way we should be when he's talking to us, you know. So many times we get, we stay caught up in everything that's going on around us that when he is talking to us, we don't even listen or we don't take the time to talk to him. Uh, so I think here, too, that shows his human side. You know, he was willing to reduce himself down to be considered the lowest in the room and to wash the disciples' feet. If you will, right quick, we're getting close to the time. Let's go to Matthew chapter four, right quick. Matthew 4, we're going to start in verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Verse 2 is hungry. Verse 3, the temptation is to have stones made into bread. Four, but he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and their hands they shall bear thee up at any time, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. So here he switches and he takes him up to a high place. And he's saying, if you want to get down, just jump and have God send angels. And then Jesus said in verse 7, It is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. In verse 8, again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. So here he takes him and he shows him the kingdoms of the world, and he says that he'll give it to him. Satan says, I'll give you all these kingdoms, if you'll fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. So Matthew here, if you notice, there's three temptations that Matthew tells us about. Two of them are fleshly temptations. Bread or food when he's hungry. And the other one is power, that earthly power, to be the ruler of the kingdoms. And then Satan kind of inadvertently points out that he was also God because he tempted him with that when he put him up on the high place and told him to call the angels to get him down. Uh, And then, let's see. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. I don't know if we'll get, all my notes done but yeah I know this is gonna be my last place I promise 4 chapter 4 verse uh, 14 is where we're gonna read and it says seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens Jesus the Son of God Let us hold fast our profession for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So, the writer of Hebrews here is telling us that Jesus came as God, as man, and was tempted with everything that we're tempted with. And if you think back on his life, you know, he grew up like we started out, from a baby on up to an adult. Everything that we've ever been tempted with in our life, he was tempted with it also. But he sinned not. And just to, I'm just going to read over the rest of my notes here. Matthew 26, 52 through 54 he says I, he could have prayed and talked to the father and gotten more than 12 legions of angels that's when they're in the garden of gethsemane and and uh, oh calm peter cuts the guy's ear off and then hebrews 2 5 through 13 angels weren't set to rule the world to come god didn't place the angels he didn't say the angels were going to rule the new world that's coming he, he said jesus would be and he, because he was made a little lower than the angels meaning his, he, he chose to take a power less than even they had in order to come save mankind. Uh, and I feel like that Jesus will be in human form in a glorified body in heaven, and I get that from Acts 1, 9 through 11. This is where they're getting ready to stone Stephen, and this is what gets him stoned. He has a vision, and he says that uh, he looked up... Uh, I'm wrong. This is Jesus' ascension. I'm sorry. Jesus ascends into heaven, and the angels tell those that are there when he ascends that in like manner he will return. I think a lot of times we think about that, that he's going to come back from heaven as he went. You know, he just went up, and he's just going to come back. But I also think it means that he's still going to be a human in a glorified body when he comes back. And then Acts seven fifty-five 55 through 56 is what got Stephen stoned. Uh Stephen they're uh, fussing at Stephen the Sanhedrin and the religious leaders and uh he says that he has a vision that and he tells them that he sees the heavens opened and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and they consider that blasphemy and uh took him outside the city to stone him, outside the city walls. All right. Uh And it is time for the prayer room. Butch, will you close us in prayer?